Welcome to Hidden Headlines, the good news, the God news, news for the soul, stuff no one in the mainstream media is talking about. I'm your host, Brian Sussman. Thanks for joining me. This is news for the first full week of March. All these stories can be found on my blog at briansussman.com. Plus, plus, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Kevin Lehman at the end of this podcast. Dr. Kevin Lehman, some of you will know him by the books that he's written over the years. Have a new kid by Friday, have a new marriage by Friday, have a new husband by Friday. But I discovered Dr. Lehman many, many years ago. This is back when Oprah had the big daytime TV talk show that everybody watched. And she had, I, and I was a watcher. I, I enjoyed that show immensely. It was a lead-in to the news program I was on on TV back in the day, so I'd always watch. But Oprah had a guy in her program once. He was Dr. Kevin Lehman. I'd never heard of him before, but he was known as the birth order guy. And so she had Dr. Lehman get a bunch of people from the audience on the stage. I don't know. There must have been six people on stage. And he just observed them carefully for a couple of seconds and then asked each one just a quick question and got a quick response and then said, okay, uh, you're the firstborn in your family. You're the baby in your family. You're the middle child. You're the firstborn male. You are the baby in the family, but there's 10 years or so difference between you and the next sibling. He just went across the room and got everybody right. He wasn't psychic. He wasn't clairvoyant, but he'd studied this topic immensely. And he came up with a great book called the birth order book. <laughs> if you want to know something about yourself, just go to his website and pick up a copy of the book. It's Dr. Lehman, L-E-M-A-N, drlehman.com, or thebirthorderguy.com. And he's got some wonderful podcasts, and he's, he's become a friend of mine over the years. A little later in this podcast, I'm going to have him on. We're going to talk about nature versus nurture. There's a big debate going on right now, although it's been going on for quite some time. There are the liberals and the humanists, and quite frankly, the socialists and the communists, because this is where it really comes from, who believe that we're hopeless. We are hopeless. We're products of nature, and the way we are is the way we are. And some are born better than others, and those who are born better than others have a responsibility to society at large to make sure those with the lesser brain though who's who's been who have been dealt a blow by nature need to be taken care of uh, we need to keep them over here keep them out of the way make sure that they don't mess with our utopian society at least the utopian society they like to build i mean this quite frankly uh, this is something aristotle talked about and this is something karl marx talked about and most of your evolutionary scientists believe this. They believe that some are born better than others. And those who are born lesser, got to find ways to keep them under control. Heavy-handed laws, regulations, etc. It can get real ugly when these people come into power. I mean, just look what happened in the Soviet Union. Look what happened in China. Look what happened in the name of communism, because again, communist leaders believe this. They believe that it's nature. It's all about nature. There is no nurture. Well, for those of us who believe in God, we know that 
there's such a thing as nurture. And we know that through love and care and God's love and care, people can change. People can be shaped. People can be molded. People can be put on the right track. I use the example of my own kids. We adopted three children. And there were people from the get-go who told us, hmm, I don't know, nature versus nurture. And we said, what are you talking about? They said, well, you know, you're adopting kids and you, you don't know what's in their DNA. Anything could pop up. You may not be able to handle it. Uh, who knows? They could be bad seeds. They could have some bad tendencies, bad traits. What can I tell you? One of our children's biological, and there were things that popped up in her life that weren't necessarily bad, but it's like, okay, where's this coming from? I've never seen this kind of behavior in anybody in my family before. So yeah, it happens. But we truly believed, call us, call us young and innocent or call us, call us followers of Jesus. Uh, because I, I believe that God is able to show us his love and in doing so can really change a person. And so we wanted to take these, these kids and love them and nurture them and, and shape them in the way they should go and, and just assure that they would have as great a life as possible. So we did that with our kids. And you know what? Doggone it, they all turned out pretty good, <laughs> if I may say so myself. But it was the nurture. It really was, especially the nurture from my, my wife. But it's also that nurture one receives through a knowledge of the power of God. I mean, I think those of us who are God followers, Jesus followers, Yeshua followers, Messiah followers, you know what I'm talking about. You, you've seen the power of the Lord in your own life. And there have been tendencies. There have been characteristics. There have been habits, addictions for some of us that have gone by the wayside because of his love for us as we surrender to him. So we're going to talk about nature versus nurture with Dr. Lehman coming up. And I know you're going to look forward to that. Trust me when I tell you, you look forward to it. It's going to, it's going to be great. Um, so what else are we talking about on Hidden Headlines? Well, I'll give you a few more stories. Uh, this is the new green trend. Now, listen, I've got a lot to say about the green movement. Um, I think most of those pushing this green agenda don't really care about the green in terms of, you know, clean air. Well, who doesn't want clean air, clean water? But when it comes to their environmentalist goals and dreams, it really, in my opinion, from my research, has to do more with, again, controlling our lives in the name of nature. Nature. Nature is very strong. We need to control these people because otherwise left to their own devices, they will ruin nature. They will destroy the planet. So we need heavy-handed regulations, heavy-handed laws, etc. It's interesting. Even there, nature versus nurture comes up. But here we go. This is a new movement that's picking up steam and members in Great Britain. And no doubt via social media here in the United States, it's called birth strike. Birth strike. So birth strike has been featured on the BBC in a television special entitled The Women, Too Scared of Climate Change to Have Children. So this is where we're going. Their declaration states, among other things, insecurity of future, despair at our species relationship to our habitat and each other, channeling time into activism and rebellion are all common motivations. Common motivations for what? To not have any kids. 
They continue, there's a growing group of people who are too scared to have children because of ecological Armageddon. We are on course for no future, and our government is steering us there. We've been abandoned by our leadership to committing species-wide suicide via lawless economics and business. Folks, just, what, two weeks ago, Socialist Democrat Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez publicly wondered, is it okay to still have children? This is where we're going. This is the new movement. That's why I'm telling you something. If have kids and, and raise them well, because we need more great kids going forward. Adopt kids. I can't, please, please, if you've ever considered it, consider it again. Adopting a child, getting these kids out of foster care, giving them a shot at life. Raise them well, and they'll be our future. You, you want, who do you want to run the world when you're an old person? When I'm an old guy pushing around a walker with drool coming out the side of my mouth, I want some sane individuals, not these type of people. So that's one of the stories we're also looking at this, this on this hidden headlines. Ready for this? People love their fast food. Just keep your, keep your stuff out of our fast food. I love it because Chick-fil-A is run by... From, from all accounts, everything I have been able to see, some pretty upstanding Christian people. And uh, they're so, think about this, in this day and age, to have a fast food restaurant closed on a Sunday, how much profit did, do they forego by not operating on Sunday? They're, they're, they see Sunday as, you know, the Lord's Day. So they don't operate on Sunday. These people wear their Christianity on their shirt sleeves. And for that, I commend them. But there's now, there have, there have been liberal slash secular slash atheist groups that have gone, gone after Chick-fil-A in the past. But people draw a line of the sand. It's like, okay, I don't care what they believe. The food is really great. So now we have a story at Ryder University. This is in New Jersey. Ryder University. Uh, there are a lot of Chick-fil-A's on campuses around the country. There was a Chick-fil-A on this campus. Chick-fil-A was banned by the campus, despite the fact that the students loved this chicken joint. So, so the university said in an email to students that the chain restaurant's corporate values have not sufficiently progressed enough to align with those of Ryder. And uh, this, of course, really comes from the fact that the CEO of Chick-fil-A acknowledged what God long ago acknowledged, that marriage is between a man and a woman. Oh, I'm shocked. What? You're kidding me. Really? Marriage between a man and a woman? So there's a professor there, Cynthia Newman. She's a former dean at Ryder University School of Business, and she's a Christian woman. And she said, quote, I felt like I was punched in the stomach when I read that statement because I'm a very committed Christian and Chick-fil-A's values and their corporate purpose statement is to glorify God in and to be faithful towards all that's entrusted to them and have a positive influence on everyone who comes in contact with them. And she said that mirrors perfectly with my belief. So you know what this professor did? I, lo I love this. I love this. Um, she decided that she was going to... Um, step down from her position. 
to me, that she res- she literally resigned from the school. Oh, she'll find another job. Look at he split. She's super talented. But I love it when people just they they go out there, and in the name of their faith, they stand tall and they stand firm and they don't cave, just like Chick Fil A did. And this dean at the school said, you know, this I, I work for this school. I'm a prominent dean at this school, and this school, their values are flying in the face of mine. I'm out of here. Good for her. Good for her. So <laughs> what are we going to do, people? What about these other companies, all founded by very committed Christian people, Forever 21? I did not know this until I did the research. Printed on the bottom of each of the store's bags. Yeah, the clothing store. The biblical, it says, um, it's, it says uh, printed on the bottom of the store's bag is a biblical pr- reference that illustrates the family's born-again beliefs. Okay, look on the bottom of every bag. You'll see a biblical reference. That's one. Mary Kay Cosmetics. Mary Kay Ash. She's the founder of this cosmetics behemoth. Um, she attributes her company's success to, quote, taking God on as our partner. So you got Forever 21, Mary Kay Cosmetics. I'm just going with some of the biggies. In-N-Out Burger. The fast food restaurant and its cult-like following. Well-known for the citation of Bible passages printed on their cardboard cups and containers and wrappers. No one seems to mind. They're plowing into a burger. It's like, okay, whatever. I'm good. Interstate batteries. I didn't know this. According to the company's website, the mission is to glorify God as we supply our customers worldwide with top quality, value price batteries, related electrical power source products, blah, 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 blah. That's cool. Glorify God as we supply people with batteries. Hobby Lobby, mission statement, honoring the Lord and all we do by operating the company in a manner consistent with biblical principles. Good for them. So can I just encourage you, stand tall. Stand tall. Don't let this society push you around. If you, even, even if you're in a situation on the job where the corporate values are flying in the face of your faith, stand up and do something. And can I tell you something? You know who's got your back? God does. God's got your back. Okay. And finally, our last story before we get to this interview with Dr. Kevin Lehman. This is big, big. Pray that this holds up in court. There's an Alabama man suing, quote, the Women's Center for Reproductive Alternatives. It's in Huntsville, Alabama. It's, it's an abortuary. Abortuary. I don't know if I made that name up or not, but I like it. Abortuary. Actually, I hate it, but it works. The Women's Center for Reproductive Alternatives. Yeah, right, right. Reproductive Alternatives. Killing a baby. Can I say this right off the bat before we get into this story? If you've had an abortion, um, God, God can forgive those who have had abortions, and He does forgive those who have had an abortion. He really does. If you... If you're a guy listening and you were a partner to that decision, God can forgive you and he will forgive you. Please remember that. There's nothing too great for God to forgive. Seriously, there's nothing, nothing, nothing. So I say that because I don't like to sit here as if I've got to, you know, I'm the judge and I'm the jury and I'm the executioner. I'm, I'm not. I'm just a guy who has, oh my gosh, the amazing grace of God in my life. Thank you. 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 And he he saved the Jewish guy like me. So we continue here. Uh, This is a guy suing, a man, 
a man suing the Women's Center for Reproductive Alternatives for providing an abortion to a woman who he says was pregnant with his baby. So this guy's name's Ryan Majors, claims to be the father. They're calling the unborn fetus Baby Roe. He said he did not want the mother to have an abortion. He was seeking legal counsel at the time of the abortion, but she went ahead with it at the Women's Center for Reproductive Alternatives. So now here's how the sneaky, well, here's, here's the best part. The judge in this particular case has determined that the aborted fetus, the aborted baby, is recognized to have legal rights. That's gigantic. This is the first time in the United States that an aborted baby is recognized to have legal rights. Now, here's the problem. The sneaky lawyers on the other side are arguing that when the judge granted this letter of petition, he did not know what he was talking about. He didn't, he didn't know, for example, that the baby in question was actually a quote-unquote fetus. So they're trying to play all these legal games to make it look as if the judge had no right to do what he did. But, but I will tell you something. Uh, my friends at World Net Daily reported this last fall. The Alabama Supreme Court already ruled that an unborn baby is a person under the law. So if this holds up, it will be a small but huge victory for life. Now, we get to the interview with Dr. Kevin Lehman. Uh, Dr. Kevin, of course, is a psychologist. He is a New York Times best-selling author. I highly encourage you to go to his website, thebirthorderguy.com. But he's here with me today to talk about nature versus nurture. Nature versus nurture. And I am a strong one when it comes to the fact that nurture, nurtures, nurture when applied properly works. And thank God it does. So let's bring in Dr. Kevin Lehman to talk about this very important subject. Dr. Kevin Lehman, are you there? Thanks for joining me. Let's just dive right in. Nature versus nurture. Where do we begin? Well, let's start with what is truth. Um, that's an easy one. Uh, nature versus nurture. Wow. You know, theologians, uh, university professors, the thinkers of the world have debated that one for a long time. I'm in the school of thought that nature certainly does set some limits. There are certain things that happen biologically that uh, you can nurture till the cows come home, and good luck with that. But just putting it on a level playing field, I'm of the belief that nurture way, way, this is going to sound like a weird sentence, because I want to say way, way, weighs more than nature. So the nurture thing is really important, because when you, well, let's say you adopt a child, uh, you don't know in so many cases what the the genes are, what the history is. A lot of people um, go into that rather blindly. Um, recent social changes have made it much more uh, possible for couples to get more definite medical information, 
on the child that they adopt. Things have changed huge. In fact, my daughter Hannah, who is a genius when it comes to helping families through adoption, has a company called Kindred and Company. And she has been so successful at helping young couples um, navigate through the many pathways to a healthy adoption. But nevertheless, back to the point that nurture can make a huge difference. And so many times when parents, for example, adopt a child that has some given limitations, okay, uh, we used to call them handicaps. Now we call them challenges. Now we call them special, exceptional children. When you fall prey to letting the diagnosis, I don't care what the diagnosis is, rule, you're in trouble as a parent. Because what happens is antisocial behavior or inappropriate behavior gets excused because the child is challenged. And let me give you a real-life example, and then I'll shut up and let you do some talking here. One of my best friends in life has a child that was born with CP, cerebral palsy, with mental retardation. And... This little guy, Jason, he loved me, to put it bluntly. Whenever I came to town, they live in the New Buffalo, New York area, uh, I would always try to stop in and visit with them, and they invited me for dinner one evening. And Jason, God love him, was, we're having spaghetti for dinner. He was so excited to see me, he was enjoying his spaghetti with his hands and then petting me like I was a pet dog. <laughs> and... I'll never forget this moment, Brian, because the mother of Jason admonished him. He was probably 12 or 13 years old at the time. And she said, Jason, no, you know better. And she, in the next sentence out of her mouth, I about fell off my chair. She said, and don't give me any of that handicapped child crap. <laughs> Well, after dinner, the mother came to me. She said, Kevin, I saw the expression on your face. I have to explain something to you. Jason was taking advantage of the fact that you were here. He knows better. He knows he needs to eat with his fork. He knows not enough to, he knows enough not to be, you know, wiping his hands on, on your arm. And, and this woman, this uh, friend of mine, uh, she went on to become the coordinator of seven counties in New York helping kids with special needs. And so I say, the danger for a parent is if you have an exceptional child of some kind and you fall prey to the diagnosis that some MD or PhD gave to your kid, and it becomes an excuse for why your child is acting inappropriately, you're going down the wrong path. Wow. Okay. So with that in mind, and, and you just confirmed everything I believe, and I thank you for that. One of the points of this article that I wrote, um, as as the family unit disintegrates, as we see society moving away from you know biblically rooted values, we're seeing more broken homes and we're seeing more wrecked people. And I've kind of thought that there are people on the left who are going to who are seizing the opportunity. They see the broken families. They see the people destitute. And this is personally why I believe they're pushing things like, quote-unquote, medicinal marijuana, universal income, 
free health care because they want a pool of people that they can easily control. Now, that's just my take on all of this, but what's your take on where society is going and, and can we turn the tide? Well, boy, I wish I had the button to push the tide because it certainly is being uh, pushed so far left. If they get any more left, they're going to be walking in circles. <laughs> um, what you say is so true. We've diminished um, the value of life. Look what's happened in the state of New York, in the state of Virginia. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's horrific. I never thought in my lifetime I'd see that. You know, Roe versus Wade, you know, that's, I don't think that's going to change if you're asking for my biased opinion. But killing babies at full-term birth, you got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. But we've, we've watered down about everything there is to do. I, I think the left uh, seizes the, the moment to take advantage of the poor and the downtrodden. And the sales pitch is, hey, we'll give you everything. It's just like the parents of the 60s who started on that trek in life to make sure their kids are happy at every turn. Oh, my goodness. Ask yourself, how's that been working out for us as a country? <laughs> right. And these kids today are just absolutely uh, power-driven. Uh, they're an authority over their children or over their parents. And I'm old enough to remember when kids actually used to obey their parents. So the whole social scene, the, the social progressives, the uh, movement just to embrace everyone and just promise them everything is, is crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, who's going to pay for it? Everything's free. College education is free. Oh, my goodness. Um, I spent $620,000 um, to educate my five children. So if that becomes a law of the land, I'm expecting a check for 620 from our government to pay me back. Your books are so popular. I'm just curious, how is the millennial generation receiving your books? I mean, the millennials that are now parents themselves, how are they receiving your books? I wish I could tell you that they're reading them. Uh, but and some are, but the great majority look at a book like uh, Have a New Kid by Friday or Making Children Mine Without Losing Yours, or even the Birth Order book, all of which have sold in excess of a million copies, which means they're pretty popular books. A typical millennial would much rather latch on to someone's blog who's 24 years old and has a nine-month-old and a two-year-old and pay attention to every word this young blogger has to say, filled with advice and wisdom about rearing children. <laughs> I've read some of those, Brian, and they're, they're pathetic. I mean, they're not even close. So the millennials, um, hmm. I recently heard of a teacher who quit, uh, just recently, right in the middle of the semester. And the reason she quit teaching was she needed more me time. I need more me time. Really. <laughs> Tell that to a donkey, he'd kick your brains out. <laughs> I'm telling you. But so the millennials, and I know we're painting a wide brush here with millennials, 
and there are millennials that are absolutely 100 percent, 180 degrees different than what we're talking about. But we see this um, this trend in America, where you know city councils are more interested in bike paths um, than they are for basic needs of the community. So it's really important that we take a look at where we're going. I mean, I always ask people, do you have a port of call? I ask families, do you have a port of call Mm -hmm. on the ocean of life? And most of them really can't tell you where that port of call is. They don't know where they're going. And so they're living rather blindly, floating like a piece of balsa wood on the oceans at high tide. I mean, it's crazy. Everything is situational. There's no hard yeses and nos or what's right and wrong. And we see this. I mean, you live in the state of California, and how many cities do you have that are bankrupt? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's crazy. It's just mm-hmm. love all, serve all, you know, hard rock cafe mentality uh, that somehow this is going to work out. And the old work ethic of work hard and study and and you might get ahead, the American dream, it seems like a lot of that has fallen pray to the um, the left that continues to, I think, just destroy the very foundation of our society. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's insidious. It's it's slow in in many ways. It's sort of like walking through New York City, coming to a the edge of a building, a skyscraper, and a guy there with a big chisel and a hammer. And you say to the guy, what are you doing? I'm going to bring this uh, this building down. And you look at him like he's a fruitcake. But the reality is, if you chip long enough at the cornerstone of a building, mm-hmm. eventually, guess what? Mm-hmm. It'll fall down. Yeah, it'll take a while, but it'll fall down. Yeah. Wow. Nature versus nurture. My conversation with Dr. Kevin Lehman. Again, online, birthorderguy.com or drleman.com. We're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Lehman next week. I want to get into his personal story. Maybe you've read some of his great books. I don't think he's ever actually written about his story and how he came to know the awesome power of God in his life. So you're going to get that. Trust me. Trust me. Back in the day, he'd probably call himself quite the rascal. So we'll do that next time on Hidden Headlines. Hey, thanks for joining me. Again, all these stories up at briansussman.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Brian underscore Sussman. You can follow me on Instagram, where I basically just have a lot of fun. Forgive me for just having fun. Instagram is Brian Sussman Show. Also, Facebook, Brian Sussman Show. Brian Sussman, Hidden Headlines, signing off.